The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Everybody, welcome to the Rotoro Football Show. It is late Sunday evening, and I am Patrick Hardy, joined by Mr. Kyle Dvorak. It's past Denny Carter's bedtime. Um, he's a traitor. Uh, Kyle and I are here to break down the entire wild card round so far, not including Monday, which includes the delayed Steelers Bills game and Eagles Buccaneers. We'll talk about those games on Tuesday. We got a lot of storylines to sift through, Kyle, uh, pertaining to the rest of the playoffs, pertaining to the rest of the career for some people. <laughs> Uh, pertaining to like potential forced retirements for certain Dallas Cowboys coaches. Uh, a lot to unpack this weekend. A lot of surprising results. Uh, been a pretty wild, wild, wild card weekend. Uh, we got to start uh, with the game we just saw, though. The Lions outlasting the Rams. It was, it was 24-23. Um, this was the game of the weekend. Back and forth kind of track meet, even though we only got 47 points, quote-unquote, only. We got a lot of fireworks from the Rams, especially. We got a lot of fireworks from the Lions in the first half. Uh, how convincing of a win was that for you if you're forecasting the Detroit Lions going forward? You know, they have an easier path now to the Super Bowl with the Cowboys out. The Lions get to host a game in the divisional round. And let's start with that. I mean, Jared Goff kind of turtled in the second half, wasn't really trusted to make big time plays and like winning time. I had a really, really horrible almost turnover on that sack where he threw the ball, like really what I thought like looked like a live grenade. Um, <laughs> does, how, how convinced were you by this 24 to 23 home victory for the Lions? Yeah, I mean, the Rams are a good team. Like, I think there are a lot of times where you see a team with a seat as high as the Lions and whoever they, you know, depending on who they play, they could come out with a win. And you say this just doesn't prove anything. The Rams are not one of those teams. The Rams have a ton of offensive firepower and at least some big names, obviously Aaron Donald on defense. So it's good to get a win, but I see this and I still don't see a 49ers killer from this team. No. But to be fair, like I also don't know if I see a 49ers killer around the league. Essentially. I see maybe two, yeah, maybe two 49ers killers. I think they're both in the AOC for me. So let me ask you this question. So the lions on Saturday at 2 PM Eastern on NBC and Peacock, excuse me, next Sunday, they're playing either the bucks or the Eagles. So we do know the right. matchups already. The 49ers get the Packers on Saturday night and the lions get either the bucks, or the Eagles, a game where the lions will be heavily favored. I feel like no matter who, even if the Eagles like look improved on Monday evening, the lions will be favored at home. Are the 49ers more likely to lose next weekend against the Packers or in two weeks uh, against the Detroit Lions in a theoretical matchup? That's a good one. Uh, to, to the Packers. I think the Packers are a better team right now. I don't know if they're necessarily a better team, but they're more of a classic, especially for a team like the 49ers who are genuine colossus. The Packers are more like the team you don't want to face. That's sure, yeah, maybe that's money. a little bit of it. Yeah, like yeah, delivering I, I, early haymakers. Yep, the Lions are a team that is more likely to not get blown out by the 49ers, but I don't know if they have that mean streak in them, not like as a philosophical mean streak, but in that they can rip off a 40-something point game the way that like this Packers team right now, I think they can at their best go toe-to-toe with anyone. I think the Lions are more likely to give out their B game at worst against any opponent. They're an extremely well-coached team, and they don't lack in talent. They're not like a quarterback variance team. 
But to beat the 49ers, I think you want to concede some of your floor, which I think the Packers definitely do. I think we're more likely to get a, a trough type of game from Jordan Love in the future than we are to get, uh, you know, than we are to get the bad blow up spot from Goff, maybe. But we need the ceiling, you know, you need the troughs and the valleys. You yes. need a valley or you need a you need a, a mountain or whatever to beat the you need that to beat the 49ers because they're just that good. I don't know if the Lions have that high end outcome. You watched you watched Jordan Love play. I'm like, yeah, dude, this I mean, guy can rip guys, 30 something against anyone. Out of control. It's he like, is out of his mind right now. And so I think you hit the nail on the head there where the Packers could just get blown out, you know, especially if they have a quiet first quarter. It's going to be all about what they did against the Cowboys. They're going to have to have a big time first, like 15 to 20 minutes of game time against the 49ers. Uh, Cause you're going to need some YOLO ball plays to beat the 49ers. And like the, the Lions got some like YOLO ball trick plays, but we, as we already know, we, the story of Jared Goss Rams career was that he couldn't create offense on his own. And as we're seeing over and over again this year, the Lions, he can't create offense on his own. They both teams have like managed and manipulated him so well. Yeah, we, that just isn't really the path to victory against the 49ers, especially the, the Lions defense kind of showed up against the Rams, but not an elite defense at all. And I, I know we're talking about a game that could happen in two weeks, mm-hmm. not even this weekend, but and so the Lions were not unimpressive. This was a game where they got like a big time shot from a Rams team that had been really, really hot. I think well, didn't the Rams finish the season seven and one. No, I think they've they been with a bunch of wins because they were not a strong, like not a high playoff odds team midseason. So I, maybe a seven and one, maybe as you know, eight and two or whatever. But I believe it was seven and really one. strong finish. And so th- this was a very, very um, like critical develop, like win for like the Lions, like in their franchise development. But yeah, we didn't see anything that suggests that'd be a 49ers killer. Uh, will you say, would you be concerned about either the Bucks or the Eagles for the Lions or? Uh, we know that the Eagles, if they were like were anywhere close to like the the real Eagles, quote unquote, whatever that is at this point, it would be like a really scary game for the Lions. But you agree with me that the, the Lions will probably be fairly comfortably favored against either of these teams. Yeah, they'll be favored. The fact that it's at home alone will be favored. They'd be favored on neutral against the Bucks. They'd health depending probably be favored just marginally against the the eagles at a neutral site obviously they're at home and right now like you need everything to break correctly health wise for the eagles which already has not happened for this weekend as we know so yeah they'll be favored by i'm gonna guess like three and a half to so four i think, points I think even neutral at this point they'd be like two and a half against the eagles i think it'd be like four and a half it depends on how the eagles look monday evening i guess sure but I think they, yeah, and it it. depends on the AJ Brown status too. If they win that game, then Monday, what, t- Tuesday morning, we get the, the Schefter like everything's looking good for AJ Brown. Like they need that man because I, I, I think one, I, I do think if they, if the, you know, the Eagles end up winning, that's my prediction. They end up winning. If the Lions lose to that Eagles team, they never stood a chance against the 49ers no. anyway. You no. have to clear these. I don't say low bars. Eagles are a good team. So are the Bucks. But you have to clear these types of bars. And honestly, you'd rather clear them more convincingly as they didn't do so much against the Rams to prove to me that you can hang with a team like San Francisco. The Packers fans will take umbrage with this statement since they just killed the Cowboys. But without the Cowboys, this NFC field is looking very, very, very weak. Very, um, very, yeah. very extremely weak. Uh, any final thoughts on the Lions or you want to move on to the Rams? No, we can probably push forward past them. What what have you seen on Matthew Stafford retirement rumors? Our guy almost retired last offseason, suffered like four more injuries against the Lions, including like a head snapping hit that looked at least somewhat concussive. Um, I'm not well. They checked. No, sure. The thing is, they checked. They they went through all the processes they, within two and a half seconds and got him back in. And they did the same thing with Puka and the same thing with Kyron. Even though it was a dome with no dirt, they found some dirt and rubbed it on his head. <laughs> and it was uh, very suspicious. I will say, I, 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 there were some suspect concussion evals in this game. I, I didn't necessarily see the telltale concussion signs that other people were saying with Stafford. I saw someone say, your eyes don't go back in your head. I'm just from pain. I, I thought it did look like, oh, I just broke a rib type of Oh, I mean, he had that as his, as like what the reporter's reporting that uh, was sent him to the medical tent or whatever is also ribs. And he definitely was dealing with a rib injury. So he 1000% broke a rib, I think. And ribs are something he's injured. We saw him injure his hand several times tonight. We've seen him injure his hand several times over the past few years. Do you think Matthew Stafford comes back next year or was this kind of his one last ride? No, I, I'm 
fairly confident he's coming back. We haven't gotten the same rumors that he would retire. And I think we even got reports already that uh, he has no plans to retire yet. Obviously that could change, but right now, like the way this team is set up, they actually have a core of like young skill position players, but still Sean McVay and still Matthew Stafford playing the best football. Like maybe he's played with the Rams. Like he was strong on that Super Bowl run, but this version of him definitely contends with what they got out of him. I'd say it's better. I think he gives it. It it was better. It was better. I think it is too. And I think he gives it another year to even two years, assuming they're a strong contender next year. If they don't win the Super Bowl, they don't go. I still think like the way he's playing right now, he's definitely got another year, at least the start of another year in him. He could even have two more. So I don't think McVay's retiring. McVay is so young and still coaching so well, but also doesn't have like the three Super Bowl rings where he can say like, I've accomplished it all. Like, if he wants to like climb the pantheon of coach and greatness, he has a long way to go. He has plenty of time to do that. I do not see him leaving anytime soon. Stafford, obviously being a player has a more limited time schedule. I still am fairly confident he's back next year. What maybe more importantly, the, oh, what if like Aaron Donald retires? <laughs> then he, I'd say he's more retire. likely. Yeah. Yeah. He's more <laughs> likely to retire than Stafford, but I still think it's very slim. I, I think, and I think the thing is they'll probably all start to go at a relatively similar time. And maybe they're within a year of each other. But once we get the Stafford hanging up, Donald's probably in that vein too. Because even though I don't believe the validity of this very much, he supposedly did more retirement either a year or two years ago. I forget which one it was. It was last year for Mr. He was, Donald. He was also looking at a new contract that he wanted as he, he was. mourned retirement. He was. I would say it probably at least crossed his mind, but uh, that would be giving him the benefit of the doubt to a very high degree. So Aaron Donald, <clears throat> we don't want Aaron Donald to, excuse me, uh, we don't want Aaron Donald to retire uh, just because he's Aaron Donald and one of the most dominant defensive players we've ever seen. Uh, we don't want him to retire because he is one of the very last St. Louis Rams. Very few other people no know way, this yeah. or care about this. I'm scrolling through the roster. He might be the final remaining uh, St. Louis Ram. And it's extremely sad and like time passes. So, well, Case Keenum, oh my God, was on the 2015 Rams. So, Case Keenum uh, is a St. Louis Ram who's still out there. Jared Cook, not out there. Um, Kenny Britt, not out there. Wes Welker, Wes Welker was on the 2015 Rams. I have no memory of this. Me neither. What? Are you sure you're not replacing it with Danny Amendola? You're not reading it incorrectly. No, I am dead serious. Wes Welker was on. Oh, Greg Zerline, of course. St. Louis. Oh, nice. So they're Johnny Hecker. I don't think he retired, right? He's got cut. Um, anyways, there's a few more St. Louis Rams. But definitely none of those guys are on the Rams anymore, right? Like, obviously. Only Aaron Donald. Only Aaron Donald. He's yeah. the last Ram who remains a Ram. Which is um, wild, man. Greg Zerline will be back on the Rams at some point. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Uh, Another one reason you mentioned Matthew Stafford probably won't retire is he's got such a good thing going with Puka Nakua. Just one of the greatest rookie seasons ever for a wide for a wide receiver. Took over down the stretch. Took over in Detroit. I mean, Cooper Cup was playing through several late season injuries, but Puka Nakua was fairly banged up himself. You were saying before the show, Puka Nakua. I mean, he's he all the way up to wide receiver one in dynasty leagues. Uh, Justin Jefferson's still ahead of him. I still think Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL and is like 23 years old. But Pukunuku is like the second or third best receiver in the NFL. And I think it's also 23 or 22. Uh, I, I think if you told me Stafford was a few years younger and we're pretty sure he's going to play for five more years and there had never been a McVay retirement, I legitimately think you could make the argument of like, if you've got Stafford for a while, you've got, uh, obviously you've got Puka forever and you've got McVay for a while. We're seeing what he's doing right now in his first year. Why would you not rank him as dynasty wide receiver one? I, but we don't have those things. We Stafford, I think, is probably retiring within two years. I don't. I, I said I don't think he retires next year. I think he plays one more after that. How effective is he, is he then? And McVeigh, like I said, I think he coaches for a long time. I'm not 100 confident in that. And when those things go away, I still think Puka will be very good. But I do think raw talent wise, Justin Jefferson is still better. I. Jamar Chase is still better. He's but I have still to think amazing. About this. <laughs> Jamar Chase's early career has been a bit weird in fantasy. He's been a slightly inconsistent in fan, maybe because T. Higgins is on the team, maybe just because Joe Burrow's been so banged up. Because Jamar Chase, I, it's not a no-brainer that Puka Nakua is ahead of Jamar Chase, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it's definitely not a no. It's definitely a debate. Even though Jamar's had back-to-back 
disappointing is not the word for what Jamar Chase has done the, the past two years, but sl- ever so slightly underperformed ADP the past two years. But he's still been like clearly like a first round type guy. He's just like ever so slightly underperformed his ADP the past two years, I'd say. And then the only other player I'd even consider is CeeDee Lamb. Uh, like he, he, like we saw what he did this season, like truly among the league's four or five most talented receivers, also very young. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get into this. There will also be coaching turnover to talk about with him. I don't think it'll change his fantasy outlook much, but like I, if you're, if you're invested in him in dynasty or keeper, or you want to invest in him and redraft next year, you would love for everything to stay the exact same, do what he did again next year. But uh, I, I doubt, I doubt we see his coach next year. Yeah. CD Lamb was very, very upset on Sunday. And as Kyle referenced, there may be a cowboy not returning next season, which we will get to right after this. Another chapter in one of the most storied rivalries in college basketball will be written Tuesday evening. Purdue takes on Indiana and Hoosier territory, and you can only see it on Peacock. Find out if the Boilermakers can boost their chances at reclaiming the number one spot in the country live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. And so, yeah, Kyle, I mean, the Cowboys, This I, I want to call it stunning, 48-32 to 32 loss to the Packers. As we know, it's not very stunning if you consider recent Cowboys playoff history or really any 21st century Cowboys playoff history. But this was a team that went 12-5 and five for the third straight year. They were the number two seed. They had nine victories this season, Kyle, of 20-plus points. That was five more than either the Ravens or the 49ers. They hadn't really had many of these letdown games either. They lost the Cardinals early in the season. They let Geno Smith go crazy one Thursday night in Dallas, but they still won the game. And like, I thought that was by the di- 49ers, right? That was one other. They did get destroyed by the 49ers, but that was at least an elite team. Like the past few years, the Cowboys would have like kind of these letdown games. And this year, you know, they had a, I just didn't think they ever like really let their foot off the gas and had like a really horrible, baffling loss until Sunday. And not that it was baffling. I mean, the Packers made the playoffs, but. I, I knew the Packers, too, if they were going to win, it had to be a shootout. But the Cowboys didn't even take part in the shootout. I mean, the 32 points is largely fraudulent. Absolutely. When they were they were down 48-14, right? Is and that a 32-point deficit? I remember yes. the, yeah, the 30, broadcast. Well, that, that is 34, but I believe. Okay. I think the either, broadcast at one point told me it was a 32-point deficit with six minutes to go, which is so much. But, yeah, they got the breaks beaten off of them they did okay never they were down 48 16 so yeah 32 point deficit your memory was better than mine either way it was not close and so anyways that was my long way of saying absolutely everyone is tweeting uh posting calling into shows just taking it for granted that mike mccarthy is going to be fired and are you also taking it for granted that mike mccarthy will be fired yeah i think he's probably and like it's kind of silly because by the time people listening to the show he's probably already going to be fired I we but, might he might be fired by the time we're done with this. Show. I know, like I know, I know. So uh, you don't think he's beating the "I am fired" allegations, though, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, this was uh, you know we got reports. I I think I literally wrote the blurb on the site that was like literally two at barring an embarrassing loss in the playoffs. Mike McCarthy is expected retained as the team's yes. coach in twenty twenty four, and I'm like, oh, that makes like sense. Like he's been a great regular season head coach and in the playoffs he has gotten them to the precipice of wins and his team does dumb things which those fall on him but the fact that he gets it down to the final play what two years ago was the Dak slide in bounds the end of the clock 
And the Man, year before okay. that was they were within striking distance in the last play and the stupid Zeke center play. Was that it, right? Oh my gosh. That I was that I almost memory hold what happened in that game. That the, was the, that the season ender of last year, wasn't it? I, I the Dak slide stuck in my memory for so long. I can't even remember how it ended last year. Was it against the 49ers again last year? I, I wasn't. It was, it was nineteen to eight. I just reclaimed my memories of this game. I lost nineteen to eight. To the but 49ers. was that the? Please tell me that was the Zeke. Uh, Zeke Center gets blown up by some 49ers to oh, tackle, yeah. and then oh Kevonte Turpin gets pile yes, drived into yes. the ground. That was. Yes. I, I know that play very well, obviously. But that was the one that ended that ended that game and their season. Correct. It was yes that that game that Bad. game into their season yeah um, <laughs> yeah yeah I knew that game happened I couldn't remember if it was like a week seventeen or whatever so but those games are both uh, both 49ers, apparently I forgot that um, good teams against the 49ers. they made it to playoffs and they got down to the final play and like a lot of variance happens when you take it to the final play like. I don't want to say it's a coin flip. They were in like a bad spot in that Zeke play, and they're also needing to make a last second you know play two years ago. But they gave themselves a shot. Dude, they did not give themselves a shot in this game. They got just absolutely destroyed, outclassed on both sides of the ball. I mean, they just they looked like a team playing in week three, like just completely not together. Dak and CD weren't on the same page. The defense was getting roasted left and right. They just didn't seem prepared. And like, obviously, that's part of human nature is even if you are prepared, sometimes you just look bad. But man, this was the exact type of game that would get Mike McCarthy fired. That's exactly what we were told by reporters heading into this game. And of course, uh, Adam Schefter, like our our most plugged in source that we have as far as NFL news is concerned, at 8.04 tweets, I have it bookmarked, I knew I needed it. At (laughs) 8.04 tweets, throughout the season, sources believe Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy always would be judged by how how Dallas's last game of the season went. He's not saying anything. Oh. He's just bringing up the fact that everyone knew, and this was reported, that uh, really it was how the season ended. And just coincidentally, he brings that fact up minutes after the game where they yeah. get annihilated. It and seems so, like it's over. So it was not 19 to 8 against the 49ers. It was 19 to 12. So they still had a chance when this aforementioned Zeke play, which I looked up on YouTube that I now vividly remember uh, after man. seeing the replay. Yeah, he was Griff Whalen it. He was snapping his <laughs> alone in the middle yep. of the field. And he get he got pile driven. And it was a fiasco. And I think they did at least get the pass off. But yeah, it uh, went to Kevontae Turpin. He got rocked. So everyone's joking, myself including, except for not really joking. Does this immediately become the most likely Bill Belichick landing spot, the Dallas Cowboys? I, I there's a lot of reasons why it might not be. I actually do think it will be. But what do you think about Bill Belichick heading to Dallas? Yeah, most likely feels correct because we talked about this on the show. Commanders have already reported, you know, I'm assuming they're leaking this, reported themselves to be out on Bill Belichick. Since uh, Bill, they found out Bill was out on them, so they had to uh, win the leak war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah, and we've said that uh, charges may be a good spot, but we don't know if they'd be willing to pay the Bill Belichick money. And the Falcons, I was like, yeah, that makes some sense. But he's an old dude. He's looking what he needs, like, a few more wins. He's like Don Shula's record or whatever. He's like, chasing down Don Shula. And he's not far off, but, like. He's, like, two he gets, seasons away, basically. Oh, dang. Is it two whole seasons? Not like two whole. I think, I, think, I think he could. I keep speaking and not knowing tonight. That I think if he went, like, 16-1 and one or something, he can maybe catch him this next year. He basically needs two seasons, though, to do it. And he, he needs probably two good seasons. And the Falcons are, like. I don't think they're there yet. I, I don't think they're all assembled in a way that he can step in and it's simply his coaching plus uh, we assume a rookie quarterback that just supercharges the team and they're good to go. Maybe that's maybe that's wrong. I don't know if that's the case. That is 100% the case with Dallas. We literally saw them do that this year. Uh, I, I think it just by the fact of one, I bet they'd be willing to pay the money and two, it is a spot where I think a competent, I mean, you know, McCarthy is mostly a competent head coach. Like, he I don't want to say he ran bad in the playoffs, but like we're judging him essentially based on three games and throwing out the 16 and then 17, 17 game seasons in which he crushed it. It's great head coach, all things considered. You know, this is a great spot for a coach. There aren't a ton of great spots and there aren't a ton of great spots in which you are the number one option. Bill Belichick probably is the number one yeah. option. So it does seem like the, a, the best fit for him. I don't know if it's actually the best fit for Dallas, to be honest. 
I think it is the best fit for Dallas. And they're so close. So, too, I mean, the number one thing against this, well, there's no way Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones, like their egos, could work together. Bill is 71. Jerry Jones is 81. Bill is like, in, is like he's indefatigable. What's this? That was that the word? I've never heard of that word. I think I said it wrong. Is why I think I, it's a different variation. He's inexhaustible though. But even Bill is probably not thinking in terms of like a five or six year window. He's probably 100%. thinking like two or three years. He can't. He can't embark on a full rebuild. He, he might just accept that the Cowboys have had a fairly good front office, at least in terms of like identifying and acquiring high end talent. Depth yeah. has been an issue in Dallas. Uh, it just seems like a, a match that's like too good to pass up. Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated, Albert Breer reported Sunday night that Bill has actually developed a strong relationship with Stephen and Jerry Jones at the league meetings over the past several years. Sure. Um, I do think it's the best fit for the Cowboys because yeah. they have so much high-end talent. Like it's almost a, a just push play roster. We know there are some holes. There are holes in every roster in the league, though. And like if Mike McCarthy is a floor coach, uh, Bill Belichick is of course a floor coach, uh, but we also know he's a ceiling coach, uh, a yeah. very well-defined ceiling coach. And it just seems like it makes way too much sense not to happen. And we also got it reported. Uh, I want to say it was just before he was fired. Maybe it was right after that. He was willing to give up uh, like the GM duties. Yes. Again, this is like the leak wars of like, I don't know if he actually was totally willing to give that up, but if you give that some level of credit that like, I think he probably acknowledges the fact that uh, I don't want to say that the game's passed him by, but that like other people can take on other responsibilities and that's okay. And he can still be the best defensive mind in the NFL. And that it's not like his general managing is going to build him this dynasty. He sustains forever. His, his general managing doesn't matter a ton because it's only going to yes. factor into his coaching for the next two or three years. Like we think, like I don't think he's coaching for the next 10 years. So the general managing doesn't factor a ton into his personal relationship with the roster. That is a very short-term decision. Pass off general managing stuff to the, you know, give it back to the Cowboys, let the Cowboys keep it rather, and join the team and just be the head coach, and you'll probably be successful. And Dallas is a place where you could probably still retain like a little bit of influence. Like I think he'd be willing to let this uh, – the Dallas front office structure is like a little opaque. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Bill could inject himself into it <laughs> a little bit, but – you know, maybe this all sound dumb when there's a report at like 9 a.m. tomorrow, like Bill Belichick not interested in Cowboys opening, but it just seems like it makes too much sense not to. Is that the last Cowboys story? We're going to be talking about the Cowboys a lot, probably. Yeah, I mean, they're like a pretty. Uh, I mean, I guess the other story would be like, what are they doing at running back at this point? But like, other, like that's a fantasy conversation. But otherwise, like we said, it's the same thing as last year, same thing as year before that. We're going to judge them a ton based on one game when they were really good for 18 games. They just totally blew it at the end. So naturally, the Green Bay Packers were probably like, uh, you know, we uh, won this game extremely convincingly. And of course, you start out talking about the Dallas Cowboys for like 10 minutes. Uh, we're, we're getting our talking head on here. Uh, so Packers, uh, 49ers, Saturday night, 7.15 p.m. Eastern. Ah, it's actually 7 p.m. Central. Big game, but the 49ers, the early line's nine and a half points. Ooh. Very understandable. Uh, we already talked about it a little bit. Any chance the Packers keep this gravy train rolling? And are, are you in agreement that the formula just has to be the exact same, that it wasn't Dallas? Get out to like a 10 or 14-point early lead, put Brock Purdy on his heels, and hope stuff goes haywire in Santa Clara. What, what say you, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably even uh, a bit of a better strategy. I mean, like, the whole thing is, like, score a bunch of points early in the game. I don't know if it's the most that's, actionable strategy. It's always a great, it is always a great strategy. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the bigger it, lead. While when you're at possible, it. I suggest it, yeah. Yeah, while you're at it, score some points in the second, third quarter, too. Hell, rip off another yeah. 21 in the fourth. But. I think the point is that, yeah, the, the 40, this Packers team uh, is not going to make a mount a comeback against the 49ers, I do not believe. Yeah, and I think the 49ers aren't exactly built for a comeback as well. They can put up points in any quarter, but they're probably at their best when they're playing from neutral or a lead. I do think maybe the one actual part of like getting up early is that uh, don't mess around with any of this run-run-pass nonsense. Like, Don't try and be like, oh, we need to go into halftime 
as long as we're within one possession, like, no, your goal should be going to halftime 42, nothing. Like you should be trying, like <laughs> that's what you should be trying to do. And letting Jordan love cook is 100% how you do that. And we're seeing that. I, I don't think that they're going to clam up against the 49ers just because they're a strong defense. We saw that against the Cowboys and that's how you're going to end up having to win is that you need to overcome how good the 49ers are by using your just absolutely white hot quarterback right now. And the weapons where he has, I don't know if he has true number one receiver, but he has like four number two receivers and two slow and tight end ones. It's great. So first off, since Thanksgiving Day, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that the Packers, they lost to the Giants, they lost to the Bucks, and they almost lost to the Panthers. But since Thanksgiving, they have beaten the Lions, they've beaten the Chiefs, and they've now just beaten the breaks off, like we said earlier, the Dallas Cowboys. And so... Uh, they, they were they were second half team too. They're six and two to close the season. They're seven and four since they're by uh, Jordan Love. I mean, this is like this isn't just a hot streak, right? This just looks like the makings of I don't know we can, if we can say superstar, but like definitely the arrival of a star and at the very least. Like he's like the four to five year answer under center for Green Bay, and very much looking like he could be like the nine to ten year answer at this point. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, I, I think I'll probably stop throwing touchdowns at this absurd clip. Like, I, well, we thought that all year. I remember the one his all well, season. Like, he's going to regress <laughs> off the early season touchdown rate, and then all right, well, he's going to regress now that Christian Watson's hurt, and he re- he's been a model breaker all season long. It's pretty. Well, nice. no, that's not true. The first two or three weeks, he had like seven touchdowns, and then they disappeared, and he had the stretch of like five to six games in the middle of the year where he absolutely got boat raised. And I do think, I think those providing multiple touchdowns, though. I don't know if the touchdown rate ever cratered. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, he had a three games. St- yeah, never mind. You're he right. had two three game touchdowns Just, in the first no, three no, games no, no. of the year. So. They cratered for a while. They cratered for a while. <laughs> it, it so he's cratered. The thing is, I'm saying like, yeah, we've seen. I think we've seen two different versions of Jordan Love in that, like, when those t- when that touchdown rate happens, you watch the games and you say like, it, you know, you do the math, but you also watch the games and you say like, that's probably coming back to earth. This one is two. But it's not going to plummet. You watch him play and you're like, yeah, this dude deserves to have touchdown rates well above league average. He is throwing it with just like perfect touch. There are so many plays where a defender's fingertips like are touching the laces of the ball as it spirals by. Yes. And I, you want to say he gets away with it every game, every game. And he does. Good players get away with stuff. And he's exactly. very good. Yeah, you hit on a really important point about the kind of players who overperform in terms, of, in terms of their touchdown percentage, and it's great touch, aka ball placement, but also people who are just willing to pull the trigger on these difficult throws. Yes, and that can make him a, a quote model breaker for a long time. And uh, no, no path to advancing to the NFC Championship game that does not involve Jordan Love going nuts in Santa Clara. I know. I thought I mean, he didn't even really. Would you even say he went nuts against the Cowboys? He kind of did in the first half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> his his counting stats weren't like anything crazy because Aaron Jones got a bunch of touchdowns. Aaron Jones also had a very good game, but like you watched him play, man. Some of the throws he was like he had so many back foot throws that I like, said those back foot throws. I think two in particular in the first half. I was like, all right, this is insane. <laughs> you're like, all right, chill, chill, chill. You're up thirty. You're up thirty points now. <laughs> I mean, like Luke Musgrave one was like. I get that like it was a very short throw, but like he had a guy wide open. And I think that's something that you pointed out. I think a lot of guys have Luke Musgrave open there and they have pressure in their face and they still just throw it away. But he leans back almost horizontal and just heaves it to his guy. When you have a guy that open, you have to take those shots. When you have tight windows and you have an actual platform, you also have to take those shots to win these high leverage games. Like you can't just take the layups and he, he took, obviously he takes the layups but he took the very difficult threes and also hit them. Like taking the threes is part of the game. Like put yourself in positions to win, but then also win them. And he did both of them very well. Man. Yeah. Just put perfectly by you and, you know, just be an entertaining team for us to watch. And we're going to love you forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green Bay Packers. They've already lived up. I mean, even if they get blown out in the division around. You can't really complain about the Packers playoff run at this point. Sure. And, Man, Packers offseason hype is just going to be like through the Yeah, yeah. The, the, what, the, the first seven seed to win? It's only been like three years or whatever, but first seven seed to win? I, they were the first seven seed. It is only the third year of the 14-team field, as you mentioned. But, uh, yeah, man, those Cowboys, oof, they are just in hell. <laughs> uh, man, oh, man. Man, and too, I tweeted this. I mean, people were tweeting many variations of that. 
uh, especially like if you were like a, a Packers divisional foe, you really loved those seven games where it seemed like they didn't have like a two decade starter at quarterback. Uh, yeah. Jordan Love for six to seven games made it look like, well, they finally stopped getting away with it. And brother, they did not. They, did not. they are on to the divisional round. <laughs> we are on to the third game of the wild card round. You know, the Peacock exclusive, which thankfully for our corporate overlords, uh, the game stayed close. Uh, the final was not close. 26 to seven uh, Dolphins over the Chiefs. The Dolphins were always within striking distance, Kyle, but they never struck. And uh, it was never as competitive as the score indicated. The final score you know, was indicative of a non-competitive game. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, There's going to be so much Tua debate this offseason. Are they at a Tua Tungavaloa crossroads? Uh, has this experiment reached uh, the end? Uh, Spencer Hall, the, the amazing college football tweeter, posted Saturday night that it looked like the batteries in Tua's arm were dying um, in the second. <laughs> and it really did look like that. It seemed like he had nothing left. Um, where are you at on Tua? I know you love Mike McDaniel. We all love Mike McDaniel. But has he, has his play calling, his scheme, is it reaching like a Jimmy Garoppolo moment with Tua Tungavaloa? Yeah, I mean, it probably is, but I think the crossroad comes in one more year because they picked up his fifth-year option. He's under contract for this year. And, like, imagine imagine when I say this year, I mean the upcoming 2024 season. Imagine a world in which they didn't do that and he hits the open market. He is more valuable to them, and they are more valuable to him than any other location around the league. They know how to maximize his skill set, so if they wanted to go back to him, like if they wanted to go to a maximize skill set kind of guy, he would obviously be the choice. And if he wants to continue to look like the most efficient quarterback in the NFL, he has to go back there. So I think this year versus, let's say he does the same thing and and becomes a free agent next year, nothing really changes. So I think the crossroads comes one year down the line. Let's say he does it again and they, they win one playoff game, but they still lose. Or maybe they lose the first playoff game. That's really where you have to ask yourself, is this something that can be used to beat the best teams in the NFL? I think there's a chance he improves next year again. Like obviously... He was not this guy. He was even better this year than he was last year by some metrics. He was. Obviously, he was was better these two years than he was the two years before that. He has improved throughout his career. But if the improvement acceleration, you know, starts going down and we reach a point where maybe he makes marginal improvements next year, at that point, I actually think it's fine to cut ties with him. I say that, like, they could probably do that this year too, but they just financially don't have – they're tied to his fifth-year option. They have really no other choice. So – I think it's fine to cut ties with him this year or next year. It's just, you know, practically it probably happens next year. If it happens, well, he's, let's assume he's starting this year. What if they're two and three and he has five touchdowns in five games. They have uh, like next year's version of Joe Flacco as his backup. Like is bench bench to a talk going to be like, like, I, mean, I feel it like might it will. happen, but it, uh, yeah, it might happen. But like what, like, I don't. What are you going to find in some backup? Gardner, what a Gardner Minshew is the Dolphins' backup next year. You know, is Gardner Minshew going to outperform Tua though? Like, no. I think the one thing you could learn, which would maybe be useful, is like imagine you put Gardner Minshew in and the offense looks extremely similar. That is useful information. Yes, that's a good it's point. In, it's info, information for at that point the 2025 season. I don't think there is a backup in the NFL who's outperforming Tua. Maybe some of them look similar, and that tells you what you need to know about Tua. I think it's very possible. But that's something to me that you do when you're uh, 5 and 10, and you have two games left, and you're like, let's just try and figure out how good Mike McDaniel is. Prove it, Mike McDaniel. Do it with Gardner Minshew or whatever. And if he does it, then you have your information on Tua. You're not getting playoff wins or to the playoffs really with a backup even if he looks kind of okay i just thought of an absolutely crazy theory um the dolphins after a year and kyle shanahan finishing school the dolphins are going to sign sam darnold this offseason <laughs> and he's going to be putting pressure on mr tua early next season you heard it here first folks um, to- totally made up theory uh, but I mean, any other Dolphins thoughts you want to share? There's a weird team. Raheem Mostert's over 30. Uh, Tyreek Hill uh, you know, is getting older. He's getting a little more injured. He's been playing through it. Yeah. Uh, but can he, can he, he can't, he's like the kind of guy, you know, each one of these injuries might sap his explosiveness a little. I wonder how much of Tyreek Hill's peak is left. 
I still feel pretty good about the Dolphins. They had a biblical wave of defensive injuries. They talk about a team that was running cold and like kind of some unlucky ways down the stretch. Like the whole Dolphins narrative is totally different. They just managed to stay a little healthier and win one more game yep. in December. So it's it's not all doom and gloom for the Dolphins. And even Tua, it could have just been a cold streak. And um, I don't know, right? Yeah, no. I mean, I I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think Tua will ever. Uh, be sort of the level of consistently elite quarterback that Patrick Mahomes or no. Josh Allen are, even though in a regular season sample, his advanced efficiency metrics may look as good, if not better than them. They basically did this year. I don't think he will ever like head into the playoffs and you're like, I don't care if his defense is completely dead. If his offensive line is dead and receivers drop every pass, he has a shot to win the Super Bowl Cause you say that about Mahomes. Like you say that about Josh Allen, they can, single-handedly win you games. I don't think there's a world in which Tua ever reaches that level, but I do think if the offensive line improves and the defense doesn't completely collapse health-wise, this could be a team where we say like, yeah, they got frisky and made a run. And I think there's probably some value to saying, let's try and get a team that secures 10 wins every year and then try and run hot in the playoffs. We are not going to find the next Patrick Mahomes, so let's just try and like make the playoffs every year and run good. I think that's kind of what the Ravens are in a sense. Like, I don't think Lamar Jackson is as good as Patrick Mahomes. I think he's a damn good quarterback who will almost never fall below like 10 to 11 wins. And when he's hot at the right time, at that point, he like is as good as Patrick Mahomes. He is playing at the end of the season as good as Patrick Mahomes was. You just need to find that four games in a row. I think you could argue Tua can have you there. I don't know if that's what you want for the future of your franchise, but also do you want to completely like just go back to the absolute horrific gamble that is a rookie quarterback? It's a terrifying gamble. Yeah. I don't think the dolphins want to do that. And speaking of Patrick Mahomes, a question, uh, chiefs back question mark. They were always here. This is what they do every year. Yep. I had already been trying to prepare people for this. In fact, I tweeted on Christmas day, uh, basically, yeah, the Chiefs will probably still randomly win the Super Bowl. This was after they lost to the Raiders, and Chiefs Kingdom, quote unquote, was at its lowest ebb in several years. Yeah, but I just I have been failing to find the fundamental differences between this Chiefs team and last year's Chiefs team. That, yeah. And they finally they've, they've narrowed the receiver rotation. Kadarius Tony did not play. For instance, well, Michael Harmon took up the mantle. Oh, yeah, boy, did he ever! My God, uh, he, that guy needs to be healthy scratch next week. <laughs> like, like, not even well, I'd say not even Kadarius ever had a game like that. Kadarius had no, no. plays like that. Kadarius never had a game like that. I would say uh, Kadarius Tony has two passes. I know, I know. They hit his hands passes, and were interceptions. Were picks. I know, but I feel like that was every single Miko play. Was that level of negative EPA against the Dolphins? I think the first time Tony had the interception drop, he also had like two other drops and one bad route in that game. But I mean, the Mecole game this week, it definitely gives Tony a run for his money on his best day, at best as in funniest. So we don't know who the Chiefs are playing. I think it could be either either the Steelers or the Ravens. and I've all along had a hard idea accepting that a team other than the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I don't see. Let's be honest. I think the Chiefs are going to win the AFC. I thought that going into the postseason, I don't know what. But did anything did anything you saw Saturday change your opinion on the Chiefs? How about that? No, but I think part of that is because I was always holding the faith that like Andy Reid is a better coach in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. Like he is schematically different in the playoffs in a better sense. Uh, And that Patrick Mahomes, like we saw in this game too, we saw him running more, which is something we see every single time he gets in the playoffs. Like he plays, he plays hero ball sort of not as crazy as Josh Allen, but he does physically put himself on the line. He's more more willing to rambling more. Running and not more. that he doesn't risk it during the regular season, but he's more willing. He to really does. Like his rushing numbers just go way up in the playoffs. Like something you can just look up the stats for. We saw that. Uh, you know, Andy Reid's a better coach in the playoffs. We've seen it time and time again. And although Travis Kelsey, pro- I mean, almost certainly not at the peak of his powers, Rasheed Rice is a very good receiver. He is the he's easily would have been the number one receiver on the team last year, and he's by far and away the number one receiver on the team this year. If there are any maybe the most notable difference between last year and this year is that Rasheed Rice is a true number one receiver for this team. They like could be argued to be uh, like better, marginally better. 
there was one of those really arbitrary stats. Uh, I think it was over the final seven games of the season. Rasheed Rice had, had basically had equal receiving production to Tyreek Hill. Um, so yeah, Rasheed Rice has been has been on a heater. Yeah, man, he's he's a, such a good young player. I guess we could quibble about why didn't they do this earlier? They probably didn't do it earlier because he wasn't ready. And then when he was ready, they started doing it, and then he started delivering. I I totally. That's probably true in the sense of he was a rookie going from SMU. Like he wasn't playing the SEC. He was going from SMU to NFL corners and they didn't play him a ton early in the year. They're still scheming him some targets. And I think that is a valid excuse. What I will say is the alternative was Kadarius Tony. So I know. Why not just develop this guy live? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the worst that could happen? He could have a target in his hands and make an interception out of it. The worst that could happen is that he loses his confidence like Sky Moore or something. Sure, sure, sure. Maybe that's a better way. It's not No, no one remembers him anymore. (laughs) I must follow this. Uh, Chiefs game next week is either Ravens or uh, Bills. They can't play the Steelers. Steelers are seven seed. I thought they could. Oh, you're right. The seven Steelers. seed will always play the yep, one. You're right. The seven will be playing the one. You were absolutely. Well, cool. Steelers aren't going to win, so doesn't matter. I don't know, man. This the the snow. Anybody else? Anybody else following this? Anybody else <laughs> yes, <about> this? Yes. <laughs> Speaking of, is anyone else following this? Yeah. Uh, we'll talk ever so briefly about that to end the show. By the way, uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about the Chiefs later this week in our division round preview. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Texans 45, Browns 14, Denny Carter, and lots of other people, yourself too, you know, had been speculating the Joe Flacco turnover, the other shoe might finally drop. It did. Not that Joe Flacco was the reason they lost this game. He he was one of many reasons. One of many. Just a total no-show from the Browns defense. Uh, Just the the total show out from C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins and the Texans offense would – Texans offense didn't really look very good in week 18 against the Colts. There were people were complaining about PFF Bobby in week 18. Uh, PFF Bobby was one of the stars of the show against the Browns, but uh, where do you want to, the Browns just, I guess this is what, this is what happens when you get on the backup quarterback carousel. Yep. Um, it almost never, ever ends well. Nick Foles being like the one exception in, in recent times. And was it, was it just always bound in this way, I guess, with this Browns team and, we know Deshaun Watson's going to be on the roster no matter what next year. He's probably going to be the starter no matter what next year, too. Yeah, so as far as Flacco goes, it wasn't always bound to be, what, two pick sixes, right? This two, was, pick sixes. <laughs> two pick sixes was a bit much. Yeah, yeah, we got all of the regression and then <laughs> yeah. some in one specific game. The math doesn't actually say that like it all has to hit it once and no. be overcorrecting. It did happen to work out that way. I think the more interesting thing of it was always bound to end like this is, yes, we were certainly at some point going to get Joe Flacco being punished for his sort of reckless play style, but it wasn't always bound to get eviscerated on defense. This is one of the best defenses in terms of their advanced metrics over the past five to 10 years in the entire NFL. And yet CJ Stroud absolutely rocked them and i think that is the more interesting part because joe flacco is a backup who came in and outperformed his expectations drastically even including this game like just looking at it in totality one bad game but on average he looked very good and the team was more confident in him as their quarterback than any other quarterback like arguably even deshaun watson when they had joe flacco under center all very good stuff and if he wants to be a backup in the nfl next year he proved that he's more than capable of that to me it was stroud and collins like you said devin singletary all absolutely ripping this team, this defense apart. And that's what was not, I didn't think at least, bound to happen. 
But maybe when you have CJ Stroud on the schedule, maybe it is sort of bound to happen because he is just that good. He is just that good, but this wasn't quite like the Cowboys. The Cowboys had a top five or six defense, but they had shown vulnerability long yep. before the wild card round. The Browns defense was not as insane in the second half of the season, but I mean, by st- several statistical measures, like Boomer or otherwise, they had one of the better pass defenses of the past few years. And for them to just totally fall apart like this, uh, I did not see coming and uh, pretty nuts. But uh, C.J. Stroud, just man, oh, man, superstar C.J. Stroud. And I guess we'll take it there with the Browns – or excuse me, with the Texans. Can the Texans win another game? Or is this roster just not quite really equipped for a legitimate playoff run? No, I mean, I think in the same way that we talked about with Jordan Love – when you have a quarterback playing at this level, like truly anything is possible. And then you don't have to worry about like, like when I say Mahomes plays any level, if she Rice doesn't step up, like, like we saw with Michael Hardman, you throw it to anyone, but two guys and bonehead plays are just a bound to happen. You don't have that worry. I think even if, if CJ Stroud plays uh, a minus game, he has the talent around him for that to look like an AA plus game. And if he plays an A plus game, he can compete with anyone, even like deserving Lamar Jackson MVP season. But you do need to get that out of him time and time again. And I think we're more likely to get that game out of, you know, Mahomes, Allen, and Lamar. He's in that second tier. Maybe though, like we could look back and be like, yeah, we should have just ranked him in the first year. Like when (laughs) next year, when he's closing in on 5,000 yards, we're like, why did I even doubt him in the playoffs? He's just that good. Right. That is, that's not the most likely outcome. That is within the range of outcomes though. CJ Stroud is total takeover superstar arrival mode. Um, This is a really good team. Another team where the off season hype is just going to be through the absolute root, especially in that division. Yeah. (laughs) Or or the, the, the Titans, are at a total franchise crossroad. The Jaguars are actually the Titans are rebuilding. The Jaguars are at a franchise crossroads. Like, what is our identity? Yeah, Titans like passed the crossroads. They've kind of made their decision yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. just passed it. Jaguars are at the precipice. They are. And the Colts too are. The, the Colts are in between because they have their young quarterback. Uh, they don't know how to if he'll be able to stay healthy. It's the Texans hype just me absolutely through. Anything else you want to say on the Texans or the Browns, Kyle Dvorak? No, I'll give some extra credit to Nico Collins. Had just one of the best seasons in terms of efficiency metrics. Missed a few games, so he's not going to have the best counting stats. Also, no Tank Dell for this game and you know, obviously the rest of the playoffs. But like this skill position core looks really, really strong just with those two. Nico Collins did absolutely nothing for two years. Uh, he was hurt along the way. A little banged up. And he had Davis Mills as a quarterback. I was going to say, but then, then he, he didn't have a real quarterback. Then he, the alternate, gets a real quarterback once. And becomes one of the sure. I mean, is he top eight or nine receiver next year, Nico Collins. Yeah, I think he'll be in the conversation. I don't think people will rank him there. But honestly, another one where I say like, oh, the rookie who was a really strong college prospect who got a really good offensive coordinator goes out and sets all the rookie records. Why would we not just buy into it? Like, and it's not like we're seeing it would be because of Tank Dell. I think it'd be why. Sure. Yeah, I think that's probably a better argument against uh, against Collins is that some of this production is the lack of another like potential number one. But I tend to think that like a player as young as he is with such a strong season and reasonable excuses for, I think he was held under 500 yards for each of his first two seasons, very reasonable excuses for not having strong production. Like we should just buy in on the Texans in the same way that like we saw two a breakout in his third year. And then we saw the offense be one of the most efficient in the NFL why wouldn't we just say like, oh, Tyreek Hill could be the best like statistical receiver in a season? Like, oh, Raheem Mostert could just get all these touchdowns. Tua could have a bunch of 300-yard games. We should probably just buy into what our eyes and the advanced stats are telling us when there are reasonable reasons to expect those to sustain. I have no reason to believe Stroud can't keep this up. No, zero. I mean, the only reason would be he like he's nine-tenths of the way there. And there's maybe one more little bout of growing pains. There's no more questions of CJ Stroud. The, the only question would be, okay, when does he get over this final bout of growing pains? He's clearly like a special, special, special player. Yeah, like the question at this point, is he in the uh, Lamar, like this year's Dak type of tier of like, these are top six to seven guys. Lamar this year was like a top two to three guy, but the past few years he wasn't quite at that level. But can he hit the... 
the really to me it's Allen and Mahomes. I think it's just two guys. It is, and I, I honestly, I, Mahomes is in his own tier. I also kind of feel that way too. Yeah, it's a conversation for another day. But can he join into that into that nebulous conversation? Because I already think he's in that like top six to seven conversation. The Kansas City Chiefs have won at least playoff game all six years that Patrick Mahomes has been their starter. Um, they will, for the first time ever, probably in the division round, play a road game. Mm-hmm. So Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. Um, and he's already been to three Super Bowls, if you want to know just how good Patrick Mahomes has been. Uh, but we digress. We'll talk about that later this week. Any final thoughts? Most of the people who hear this might be hearing it after um, the Bills and Steelers play and the, the Bucks and Eagles. Any final thoughts? On the the Bills Steelers, is this going to be a game? Like, can the elements basically make this a game for Pittsburgh? Let's let's have that that question. And they can, sure, but I just I don't believe they can do it. I I don't think we talk about can the backup quarterback for the Browns sustain? It helped that he was actually pretty solid. He was reckless, but pretty solid. And they had, like you said, one of the best pass defenses of the past five to ten years. The Steelers are, in a lot of respects, just a lesser version of that. Can the backup quarterback sustain? I, I think he might be better than Kenny Pickett. That's he probably is. You're right. But like, I also don't know if he's as good as Joe Flacco, and I don't think their defense is as good as the Browns' defense. All of those things considered, they also have to face what is like, you know, Texans are really good. We were talking about the quarterback tiers. Josh Allen is also at another tier of greatness. All that says that the elements could make it closer. I don't buy them winning. Yeah, I don't even know if it necessarily comes down to the elements, but it might come down to the elements combined with the coaching. Where, as we we know, this is the kind of game Mike Tomlin specializes in winning, and it's the kind of game Sean McDermott specializes in losing. Sean McDermott is <laughs> one of the most tilted coaches in the entire. NFL. He's basically like a more composed Brandon Staley, where I feel like he's a much better defensive coach than Brandon Staley. So he does his job much better on his side of the ball. Than Brandon Staley does, like from a decision making perspective, he reminds me of Brandon Staley. Where I feel like in every most critical moment, it's like, oh man, Sean McDermott's been going for it in this situation all year, and now for some reason he's punting. <laughs> like I, he's like that ultimate kind of coach to me, where it's so much tilted decision making from Sean McDermott, and he's got to hope that he does not get Tomlin. On because if he gets Tomlin, he's probably actually getting uh, McCarthyed. And, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, if, if he gets if he gets Jordan loved, he might get McCarthy for yeah, sure. Yeah, like, exactly. if, some, if somehow yeah, the Steelers yeah. rip one of those games, it will come up. I think he's less likely to get McCarthy, both in the outcome of the game, but also if it even skews that way. But we'll be on McCarthy watch. We will be on McCarthy watch. Uh, Eagles, Bucks, uh, watch the game. I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, this is I feel like the playoff game. No one really wants to happen. Even the Bucks who are a feel-good story that I think are just kind of falling apart with injuries. And yeah. the, the the Eagles are a feel-bad story that are falling <laughs> apart because of injuries. And I, I think, thankfully, they saved this one for last. Give these teams a little chance to get healthy. And maybe if it's just a horrible game, you can turn it off and go to bed on a weeknight. I, I, I haven't loved the Eagles this year. But conceptually, a team with Devonta Smith, hopefully they get A.J. Brown back next week. Dallas Goddard's really good. DeAndre is a very fun player. And obviously, Jalen Hurts. Conceptually... That team is very fun. I hope we get to see some fun this week. It's a good matchup for their passing game to get right. That's my optimism for this game. You know, I hope they get there because they haven't haven't done that much lately, honestly. No. My theory is this Jalen Hurts' knee sure. went totally sideways and the season went sideways along with it, even though it's the defense that's been the true issue. Yeah. Uh, the true issue with this show is that it's over. We're done after 55 minutes. Mike McCarthy hopefully doesn't get fired, at least before you listen to this. Uh, Hello, he very well might. Um, so, but we'll be breaking down the news all week on RotorWorld.com, on the RotorWorld football show. I'll be back on Tuesday with Denny. Kyle and I will both be back on Thursday with Denny. Denny, he'll show his face around here again. Hmm. Um, I actually didn't even ask him to do this show because uh, he always says no because it's always too. Hopefully, he didn't want to do it. I thought we talked about it. I thought no, he, were- he finds out tomorrow we did it and didn't ask him. Um, but uh, yeah, he's usually asleep by now. Denny needs his beauty sleep. And so do Kyle and I. So for Kyle and Pat, thank you so much for listening. We will be back later this week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.